0: Let's turn our Bibles this morning to the book of Philippians. We'll be in Philippians chapter number one this morning, Philippians chapter number one. And it is good to see you today, and I appreciate uh, all of the uh, flexibility, and we really have had no choice throughout the last several weeks, but uh, the desire to get back uh, as much of us that can get back together, and I'm certainly looking forward to uh, the days and weeks ahead. This morning, I want to preach from the book of Philippians chapter number one. I'm going to read the first 11 verses uh, for our text this morning, and then I'll uh, hone in on a few things uh, in, in this first part of chapter number one uh, that I want to be a challenge and an encouragement to us. Uh, I don't want us to ever take for granted, we have, we're, we're, we're prone to take for granted the things that we have. Um, the, the freedom that we have uh, in the United States of America is not something experienced all over the world. And uh, if nothing else, during these last several weeks, may we be reminded of how important our freedom is and how important it is for uh, holding to our freedom and being willing to stand for our freedom. And so uh, I don't want us to take that for, for granted. So uh, some of this might be good for us to be reminded um, of how important our freedom is and how quickly it can be eroded. And, and, but as a Christian, I don't want us to take for granted the things we have. I don't want us to ever take for granted this book that we have. Uh, the Word of God. Where would we be without the Word of God? Let me tell you, we'd be lost. Uh, we'd be a ship without a rudder. Uh, we, we wouldn't know where to turn, what to do. Um, well, I don't want to take for, for granted the Word of God. I don't want to take for granted our salvation. Um, I, I was saved as a child. I'm thankful for that. It, it, and it's one thing that we have to fight in a generational church. What I mean by that is you have a generation after another generation after another generation. We've been doing this for a long time. Those that are saved and brought up in it, they have a tendency to take for granted their own salvation. Take for granted the fact that they were saved at a young age. I don't want you to take your salvation for granted. And uh, I don't want to wait till I get to heaven to enjoy being saved. I want to enjoy being saved now. I wanna, I, wanna, I don't want to take for granted my salvation. I don't want us to take for granted our church, what it means to have a church. Uh, and church, the term church is used so loosely today. Uh, I'm talking about a, a New Testament church. Bible believing a New Testament church, as is described in Scripture, and I think today uh, the message will um, remind us of some things uh, as it deals with our church family, as it deals with our own salvation, as it deals with the Word of God, as it deals with as we interact with one another, and how important it is. This lost world will never understand the New Testament church. Uh, the the lost world does not, if if you've never had a part in what a New Testament church is, it's hard for you to understand. uh, That's why we see even in in all this legislation for all this pandemic, uh, people who know nothing about church, nothing about the Spirit of God. Deciding, well, this is how you can have church, and a church can function just fine. Well, you know, I've never, I've never run a government, so I'm not, I'm not going to take the time to tell people how they have to do this and that. And people who have no understanding of the church don't need to be deciding how the church can meet and how they can function. God's done that. But they're never going to, under, in, 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 if I can use this terminology, in fairness to them, they don't know the Spirit of God, they don't understand the church how sad it is when those who have their membership in a church don't understand the church. When those who have their membership in the church are just casual observers. They rob themselves of the joy that comes with being part of the church of God. And if you're a Christian, whether you're sitting at home this morning, or whether you're here in the building this morning and you don't have the joy of the Lord in your heart, and you're miserable as a child of God, the problem is not with the church. No apology needs to be made for the Independent Baptist Church. And uh, it, the, the, problem is, the problem is we've lost touch with what it means to be part of the church and to realize the opportunities we have with the church. That's not even introduction. That's just before I read the scripture this morning. Philippians chapter number one, verse one. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in prayer, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ." This I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. This morning I want to take this passage and I want to draw your attention a little closer to verse number 7, and there's a phrase right in the middle of this verse that I want you to see this morning even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. There was a relationship with the Apostle Paul in these Christians, the church at Philippi, that could not be broken, could not be severed by distance, could not be severed by prison bars, could not be severed by persecution and miles and All of those things and the different missionary journeys that Paul found himself on could not be severed. And even though he's sending this letter and he's sending this epistle and something that is evident in all the epistles of the Apostle Paul, even though he sometimes has to deal with some very... Of course, he's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He deals with some very serious matters. You always get the sense of compassion and love and fondness that he has in his heart. And he writes... Because I have you in my heart. What a, what a, what a thought. What a, what a sermon in itself. Um, the, the, and, I want, I, and I've got much to get to this morning, so I'll stick right with, with my thoughts and my notes this morning. But I want to preach on that subject, because I have you in my heart. And I want us, as the Emmanuel Baptist Church to allow the Apostle Paul in his letter in the book of Philippians, the Word of God this morning, to remind us of some things and to help us uh, understand, be reminded of what we have in one another in brothers and sisters in Christ, and what we have in the church. Satan has always attacked the church. He's always persecuted the church. He'll take the opportunity and advantage in the day we live in to do everything he can to suppress. And we have a danger amongst Christians this morning. And long before a government would ever take away our right to assemble, those that assemble fail to realize their responsibility and the privilege they have in being part of God's church. Father, I pray this morning that you'd allow the Spirit of God to. Uh, Work in hearts. I pray that the Spirit of God would guide my thoughts and uh, may it be His instruction this morning. And Father, I pray that we would be quick to uh, heed the leading of the Spirit this morning. We would, uh, wherever wherever area we are convicted, may we uh, do business with you today. May we be reminded, if nothing else, reminded of the joy it is to be part of your family. And Father, I pray that there's one unsaved. May today be their day of salvation, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What a phrase to me as I read this passage of Scripture that there's several phrases in our text this morning that just jump off the page at me, but none more than because I have you in my heart. This is not even again the introduction this morning, but it is obvious the Apostle Paul lived a spirit-filled life. It is obvious that uh, as far as, a, as flesh and blood goes, he's set the standard for you and I as a pattern to live a spirit-filled life, and there's something evidence in the, in the, in the life of Paul, even though he was persecuted, even though uh, he faced all the things he faced, uh, he never allowed that to change his heart for people, and Paul had an affection for the people of God, because I have you in my heart. He writes several things in his address to the people because he has them in his heart, because he is thinking of them, because he is dwelling of them, because there is a bond between them uh, that cannot be broken. And we find here that even his, his affection is obvious in that Paul had the affection for the Christians, the church in Philippi. It's obvious that he had this in his heart. There is an obvious knitting of the hearts and when God puts people together, he, and He connects them as a church, that's why this world does not understand a, a, a Spirit-led New Testament church, because it should be. And, and that's why many of the epistles Paul wrote dealt with problems in the church, because there should not be a Spirit other than the Lord's Spirit. And he says and there's, a, there's, a, there's a knitting of the hearts, if you will. There's a connection that God has done. Now, I want you to notice in our text, verse 7, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart, he gives further clarification. Inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. What Paul is saying, when I was bound, you were with me. Uh, when I was bound and, and when I was in prison and when I faced all of the things that I faced, you were with me because there was that connection that only God could do. There was that body that only God could join. And he said, you are partakers of my grace. You are partakers of that blessing. It was because I knew you were with me, uh, that I could stand. It's because that I stood that you could also have strength to stand. So it was his bonds, the scripture tells us, but also in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Paul was a preacher of the gospel. And in his preaching, he defended and proclaimed the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And oh, we need more gospel preachers today. You say, well, pastor, aren't all preachers gospel preachers? Oh no, they're not all gospel preachers. And Paul was one who proclaimed, for by, for by grace are you saved, is through the, the, the applied blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, through faith in what he did on Calvary. And he said, in my defense of the gospel, in my confirmation of the gospel, ye... All are partakers of my grace. See, nothing, nothing, don't miss this, nothing will take a group of Christians and bond them together like standing for what is right. Nothing will take a group of Christians and bond them together by the proclamation of the gospel. Don't miss this before I get into the outline this morning. You want to know why we are such a close-knit, Church. It's because first and foremost, it's about proclaiming the gospel of the Lord, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's what bounds a church. It makes you closer than a church softball league. It makes you closer than potluck dinners. It makes you closer than whatever uh, fellowship that you want to do. And I'm not against any of those things. But the church was called to get the gospel to the world. And nothing binds a church in closeness like the proclamation in standing for the gospel, nothing will, will, will knit a group of hearts together like getting in the trenches together, battling the forces of hell together, defending that which is right together. And quite frankly, that is why some churches don't have the spirit they ought to have, it's because they're not preaching the gospel. It's because they're not uh, in the trenches together, standing for what is right. Much has been said through this pandemic, and, and everybody everybody gives their opinion. I mean, not much has changed amongst Christians, but they give their opinion. Oh, this is, I wonder how churches are going to do, and I wonder how, how they're not going to be able to get them back together. Quite frankly, I've never worried about that. I've never worried. My, my biggest battle has been trying to, be responsible and comply as I could because, to keep you away. I'm never worried about whether the church would get back together. Why? Because we have a bond that you can't buy at a church barbecue. We have a bond that you can't get any other way than the proclaiming of the gospel, the defending of what is right. Uh, I love the spirit of our church. There is no spirit like the spirit of the Emmanuel Baptist Church not and you say well so well i I like our spirit it's a it's a close-knit why you say well pastor do we have to stand in these areas and pastor do we we do really need to be as aggressive in these areas do you like the spirit well if you get rid of one you're going to get rid of the other there is cause and effect and there's nothing that will knit the hearts of what knitted Paul's heart to these people. It's the gospel. It was the stand that he took, and they took with him. So we see how God has, has combined their hearts, he has knitted their hearts, and, and, and the affection, he says, because I have you in my heart. Because of that, or so the reasons he had him in his heart, I want us to look at this morning by way of outline. I want us to notice number one, Paul had a desire for them to have grace and peace. Look with me in verse number two, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul had a desire for them to have grace and peace. Now that word grace, Paul could not bestow salvation upon them. That word grace is is speaking of blessings or favor. Peace, as preached on last Sunday, is that tranquility. That absence of things that would agitate your life, agitate your spirit to keep you from having peace. Paul understood that grace or blessings in the peace, tranquility, came from from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody, let me remind you this morning, you don't find blessings of God outside of the will of God. You don't find blessings of God outside of the word of God. And let me just remind all of us as a church, you don't find peace and tranquility as a child of God away out of the, out of the will of God. Paul reminds us, do we believe the Bible this morning? He reminds us that it comes from God the Father And the Lord Jesus Christ, he had a desire for them to be blessed by God. He had a desire for them to have a peace that comes only from God. Paul did not live a perfect life. Paul did not live an uneventful life. Paul went from beating to beating to imprisonment to imprisonment. But Paul was a man that could say... I've got tranquility in my life. I've got peace in my life. We say, Pastor, how does that happen? It happens because it comes from God. And He wanted these people, these Christians, to have the the, the peace of God in their life and the blessings of God in their life. And can I just tell you this morning, as your pastor, I echo what Paul said in this letter I want you to have grace and peace in your life. That's why I have a responsibility to stand behind this pulpit and to preach the word of God and to say if you stray from out of out from under uh, the the word of God, you're going to lose your peace. You're going to lose your tranquility you're going to lose your blessings and your favor of God. If you stay underneath the Word of God, you stay underneath the authority of God, oh, there's peace that comes from that. There, there's blessings that come from that. And we would not have time in the day for us to, even with the crowd we have this morning, to hear testimony after testimony after testimony of God's peace, of God's blessings, all because of the, 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 the desire to please Him. He wanted them to have grace and peace. Let me just help you this morning, and I'm preaching obviously to us as a church, and and we really don't have a whole lot of, of guests coming to church right now, so I just want to deal with all of us as a church this morning. As your pastor, if you come and you ask me to pray for something with you and I have a decision to make, I'm going to pray about it. And if the Lord gives me peace in my heart and the Lord gives me direction after spending time in prayer and time in fasting and, and, and seeking His will, and I come to you and I say, this is what I believe the Lord would have you to do based on, on, on this verse of Scripture and based on the peace that I have in my heart, my only desire is for you to have grace. My only desire is for you to have peace. And and if I give you direction as your under-shepherd, as the shepherd of this church, it is because I want you to be happy. It's because I want you to have joy. It's because I want you to have peace in your life. It's because I don't want you to, to, to face that out in this world that you will face when you leave the things of God. And sometimes the pastor has to be willing to be the adversary to say, no, this is what you need to do. It's only for one reason. I want you to be blessed. My desire, and I wish, I wish, I wish, and I'll take the time this morning to remind all our young couples, and and, and and our young adults, and our teenagers, I want you to be happy. I want you to have peace. I want you to be blessed. That is my goal. That is my desire. I want you to reach your potential for God. I want you to look back on your life one day and say, I had these opportunities and I took them for the Lord and and God gave me a church and God gave me a pastor and God gave me parents and God gave me Sunday school teachers to help me reach my potential. I did more than I thought I ever could do and it's because of the people God placed in my life. There are those who just want you to have grace they just want you to have peace. I haven't pastored as long as some, but I've pastored long enough to know what peace is not. I know what it's like to know what it is to have God's blessings. See, Paul had a desire for, the, for them to have grace and peace. And by the way, it's a reminder for all of us as we go to church together and we serve together, that would be our desire for one another. To have peace, to have blessings. I want our church to have peace. This world could be fighting all around us, and there's all, but you know what I love about walking in these doors? It's because there's a tranquility in here, there's a peace in here, there's blessings here. And it comes from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't miss out on the blessings. Don't miss out on the peace. Uh, Number two, Paul understood the joy of praying for others. He moves right from verse number two, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making requests with joy. Paul makes a very interesting statement. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And this must have been some people. Perfect, no problems, nobody gossiped, nobody complained. No, they weren't perfect people. Paul said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Now, I'll get into the, the, the point I made And number two, but let me just say this. What would it do in our churches if we thought about our church family and we thought that way about everybody we went to church with? Pastor, I just, that one person, that's your problem. That's not my problem. Well, I just can't get, well, that's, again, that's your problem. Sounds like to me that you have some things in your heart you need to get right with the Lord. You have some things that you need to turn over to God. Well, this was, well, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But I thank God upon every remembrance of you. Always. In every prayer of mine for you. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Don't miss this. Let me tell you why some Christians, some church members cannot make that statement because they don't remember one another in the context that Paul did. If you notice very closely, verse 3 and verse 4, he's making those comments, I remember them and always do, and it's when I'm praying for them. And the reason why some Christians don't think of their fellow church members, their fellow Christians as they should, They're still thinking about that offense from 1987. They're still thinking of the fact that there was some perceived slight or some real slight. Paul says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy. Paul took time to remember them by praying for them, and he prayed for them when he remembered them. We'd have a revival in our churches if this was true. He understood the joy of praying for other people. You know, it's, it's sad that many times... Christians spend more time gossiping about other Christians than they do praying for Christians. It's sad. And oh, it it, it it ought to grieve our hearts when we as God's children, we as members of the church that Christ died for, our brothers and sisters in Christ, when we'll spend more time talking about their faults, pointing out their faults, and and and, and talking about one another then we will praying for them. And I can go even further. What would it do in our churches if instead of talking negatively about the pastor and pointing out all the faults of the pastor and I just didn't agree with that and I thought he he didn't have the right spirit with that and I thought he did this and that. What if you prayed for him? And quite frankly, there'd be a lot of preachers, a lot of pastors with a lot more grace and patience in their heart and their life if they actually prayed for the people that they pastored. Paul understood the joy of praying for others. See, Paul had gotten to a place in his life when praying for somebody else was not a job. It was a joy. And it will revolutionize your life, church member. It will revolutionize revolutionize your life, Christian. If You get to the place where praying for somebody else is not a job, but it's a joy. We should not get excited when somebody has a need, but we should get excited because we have an opportunity to pray for them about their need. I wonder if we look deeper into our church membership, our responsibilities as a Christian, how are we doing as a church member this morning? See, if I was preaching on tithing, those of you, and I commend you, because this is an above-average church when it comes to faithful giving. Those who are faithful and are consistent, and you've got that down, oh, you'd be saying, preach it a little longer, Pastor. Preach it a little harder for those dead beats. Go ahead. But see, there's more to it than just giving. How's your prayer? See, we're not going to. We, 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 you can hashtag pray for revival all you want, but if you won't pray for your fellow church member, we're not having a revival. Paul understood the joy of praying for others. See, this is the kind of church I want to be a part of. I have no desires to be the pastor of the church that has all the prestige, rubs the elbows with whoever. I want to be the church. I want to be a part of the church that preaches the gospel, defends the gospel. I want to belong to a church where the people can pray for one another. Well, I'm not praying for them. They're not the ones that until they get right, they're not the one that just, that maybe they need to get right, but they're not the only one. Hey, how's, your, how's your prayer life? Pastor, I pray for my every meal. I pray for, no, 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 let's put it into context. Paul said, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for joy, says, I thank God upon every remembrance of you. If you would go to your prayer closet for those you go to church with, it would change your perspective of who you go to church with. It would. The patience that you don't have, you'd have. The joy that you don't have, you'd have. It was his his favorite time of the day was to go to God. Paul understood the joy of Praying for others. Number three. Paul was reminded of the origin of their fellowship. Don't miss this. This is this, this has not been very good so far, but this is good. Verse number five. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Paul was reminiscent of the origin of their fellowship. What brought them together? It was the fellowship in the gospel. The fellowship was that they had all been saved by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They had all gotten to God the same way because there's only one way. They had all believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. They had all put their works aside and just simply by faith trusted the payment that Christ gave made their fellowship was in the gospel i don't have time and i've taught you about it many many times that's why these these emergent crazy uh, do what you want to do churches that there isn't the fellowship there isn't the spirit at a bible believing new testament church because they don't have the same fellowship it's not a fellowship in the gospel you and I have fellowship. Don't, don't do it too, too much this morning, but if you were to look around this morning and wonder, and I know we have many members still not able to be here, but if you just look around at who's here and say, how in the world did, did all this get put together? How in the world did this group of people from all these different backgrounds get put together in this one place with one goal? It's simple. Fellowship of the gospel. It wasn't a political alliance that brought us together. It wasn't the same educational background that brings us together. It wasn't the same likes and the same dislikes. It certainly wasn't an affection for the same football team that brings us together. It was the gospel. We have fellowship in the gospel. Paul never got Away from that in church. Let me remind us this morning, and that if we meet for any other reason besides the fellowship and the gospel, it's just not going to be the same. We're losing our purpose. We're losing our way. I, I'm for. I'm not necessarily against other things that go on, but the Emmanuel Baptist Church exists because of the fellowship. Of the gospel. You say, well, do you exclude people? Anybody can come and get saved that wants to get saved. And those church doors are for anybody to come and hear the word of God preached. But we have a fellowship because it's in the gospel. And he was reminiscent of the origin of their fellowship. You know why we all belong together as a main Baptist church? The first and foremost, because we're all saved, we all have salvation. That's why it's, it's scriptural to be a member of the Emmanuel Baptist Church and you need to be saved. Because that's our fellowship. That, that, that's, that's the reason why we get together as a fellowship in the gospel. Notice what he said. He said, being confident of this very thing. In verse 6. That he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul was confident that we'd be in fellowship from salvation to eternity. Because Christ is the one who did the work. See, you can fall out of fellowship, meaning your walk with God, but you can never fall out of fellowship when it comes to salvation. Because once saved, always saved. Friend, there's sometimes that that Christians get away from God and and you hate to have that fellowship broken as far as walking the same path, laboring together with the gospel, defending the truth of the word of God in the trenches of spiritual warfare. But there is a bond. That's why we need to remember that ultimately we are still brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul reminded them of the origin of their fellowship. It's our salvation that binds us together. They were still saved. He would still be saved. God would do the work. And friend, let me just remind us, because I believe Paul reminds them that it's God's job to keep you saved. It's not my job to keep you saved. It's, it's God's job to keep you saved. Well, I know God, God God will keep you saved. Uh, and He says that's his, He reminds them of the origin of their fellowship. That's why it's more than just being, well, we're part of, no, no. we are a a local assembly. We are God's family. And what is it that makes us all God's family? It's our salvation. It's being saved. Number four, and I'm done. We find fourthly, Paul's plea was for them to stay faithful. Verse number seven, we'll start reading there. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart. Inasmuch as both in my bonds and in defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace, for God is my record. How greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Paul speaks of his great affection for them in the bowels of Jesus Christ. What he's speaking of is the area the hearts and the lungs are. That's the greatest way he could, he could write about the affection that he had for God's people. In this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment that you may approve things that are excellent that you may be sincere without offense to the day of Christ. Let me start with verse 9. He says, In this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment A desire for them prayer for them to stay faithful. One of my prayers for The membership of the Emmanuel Baptist Church is for you to stay faithful. I'm never going to pray for you to get rich. I do pray for your businesses, those of you that are in business. I do pray for your blessings in that area. But I don't pray for you to get rich. I pray for you to stay faithful. I don't pray for you to have everything this world offers. And I'll just confess to you, to the teenagers that are here, to the young people, those young parents who you have your children in the nursery, I'll never pray. I'll never pray for your child to be a success as far as this world's concerned. And I don't set out to do it, but sometimes my prayer is the exact opposite of their desires. And quite frankly, since I'm just throwing everything out this morning, sometimes my prayers are against your desires. Because my prayer is for them to be faithful not to be successful. My prayer is for them to be faithful, not to be happy even as the world would say happiness is. My prayer is for them to be faithful, not to be accepted. My prayer is for them to be faithful. And quite frankly, my, my prayer for the people of the many Baptist Church is for them to be faithful. When, as we mentioned this morning, when, some of our membership needs prayer. I pray for them in what they are dealing with in bereavement or some other area, strength of body, well, what, they're facing a surgery, facing whatever. But Through that, may they be faithful. We have some in the building this morning who have buried a spouse in the last several years. I have prayed for God to comfort them, but I've also prayed for them to remain faithful. Some of you have had broken hearts by children and broken hearts by others. I cannot mend your heart. I cannot take away your disappointment and pain, but I can pray for you to just be faithful. Faithfulness. Part of faithfulness, as he speaks of, is having discernment, more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. He prays for them to have discernment and be able to discern what is right and wrong. To increase in knowledge so that you can have that discernment. That you may approve things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. That without offense. we We should be careful not to offend one another. And my goal in preaching the gospel is not to offend the world, although the gospel offends the world. But I do not want to offend the name of Christ. I do not want to offend another brother or sister in Christ. I do not want to offend the cause of Christ. And make no mistake about it, we need a revival and a realization today that in, in, our, in our churches, even our what we call Bible-believing churches, that one that would disrupt what goes on in the church is offending the cause of Christ. I had not planned to say this, but I feel led to say this this morning. It's a sad thing for Christians to be the stumbling block that a lost man trips over into the flames of hell. And I know this is Sunday morning, but I'll blame it on the quarantine. You know, there's going to be a lot of. Lost people who die and go to hell because of the actions of safe people. Ultimately, they make their own decision. Don't misunderstand me. Man chooses right or wrong. But it's, it's, it's the actions of people. And one post on social media is how we ought to love the Lord, and then the next seven posts are the life that is contrary to loving the Lord. and then the gossip that takes place amongst God's people. These are not in my notes, so you can come check it after the service if you'd like. The biggest problem we have amongst God's people is not Hollywood. It's the fact that there are people who have their membership to a local New Testament Baptist church, and they are the obstacle for there to be a spirit in that church. They're the obstacle for getting prayers answered. They're the obstacle for God blessing as He would bless. And it's because they are an offense to the very cause of Christ. I didn't say they were lost, I said they were an offense. What a shame for a preacher of the gospel to be an offense. What a shame for a church member to be an offense. What a shame, shame for a child of God to be an offense. And what goes on in somebody else's world is none of your business. I don't know how this turned into a message on gossip, but apparently we need it. Because I could tell you how. Because God puts discord sowing as the same abomination as homosexuality. There's a lot of preachers who will preach against one abomination, but they're guilty of the other. There's a lot of church members that wouldn't pray for somebody's wayward relative or friend or for those people to even be saved. But they're guilty of the same level of abomination in the eyes of God. No wonder the church is ineffective. No wonder the church is not making the impact that it could make. Paul's desire is for them to be faithful, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, verse 11, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. We need discernment in our life so that we can be faithful. We get it from the Word of God. Because I have you in my heart. You know, when you really have someone in your heart, you are willing to say things that they may not necessarily appreciate. You're willing to pray as you should pray. Let us be reminded this morning as the church that there should be an affection between us that's unlike any other. Oftentimes, and this may help some of you, family will say, well, you seem closer to the people at your church than your own flesh and blood. It's a different fellowship. And this may, they can't understand this, and there's a lot of Christians that can't understand it. That fellowship is more real than the flesh and blood fellowship. We've got to be reminded of that. We have something special. We ought to have that affection for one another. Why? Because it's a fellowship in the gospel. You know, we ought to think, I thank God for my remembrance of you. I thank God. And it will help our our attitudes. It will help our interaction with other people. If when we remember them, it's because we are praying for them. And when we remember them, we pray for them. Hey, we, there's too many of us, and we spend too much time together to not once in a while say something that would probably offend or do something that might would offend somebody or two personalities just clashing away. But isn't the gospel greater than that? Isn't our salvation greater than that? It, you know, I mean, his, his salvation was enough to wash us, uh, all of our sins away. It's enough to give us a home in heaven. You mean to tell me that salvation is not great enough for me to have grace in my heart? towards a brother or sister in Christ, for me not to be able to grant forgiveness before it's deserved, before it's even asked. We have something in the fellowship of Christ, and we're not taking advantage of it. We're not realizing the importance of it. We need a revival amongst church membership long before it's ever going to spread to a nation or to a world. As we go to the invitation this morning, first of all, if you're not saved, you need to get saved this morning. Then you begin to understand the fellowship. We go to the invitation this morning. Who do you have bitterness in your heart towards? I just can't pray for them. Let me help you with that. If you would start to pray for them, it would do with that bitterness in your heart. Uh, are we praying for one another? Have you forgotten the fellowship that we have. We're going to be praying for faithfulness. Faithfulness. We put the premium on popularity when God puts it on faithfulness. We put the premium on talent and God puts it on faithfulness. We put the premium on prestige and God puts it on faithfulness. We put the premium on properties and buildings and 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 notoriety, and God puts it on faithfulness. My prayer is for a faithful church. Faithful people. May we do as the Lord.